All right. Welcome, everyone. We are very, very pleased to have you all with us today for another TW Now program. I'm joined by my friends and colleagues, and we also have a very special um, uh, guest today and, and something exciting to, uh, to bring to the program that we've not done before. So first, I'd like to introduce who I'm sitting here with, Mr. Dexter Wakefield, uh, Dr. Scott Winnell. And from uh, New York, we have one of our regional pastors. He's a longtime minister. And uh, you've seen him on the program before. He's uh, Skyping in Mr. Jonathan McNair. Can we bring him up real quick? So there's, there's Mr. McNair. So welcome to the program today. <coughs> TW Now, social media, present and future dangers. Um, frankly, we have some, some shocking information to talk about today. We, we're going to talk about uh, the use and potential risks and downsides, and also some of the benefits of social media. We're going to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence even. Uh, there's a, uh, a drive with the social media companies, Google, Amazon, and so forth. Uh, Apple has embedded um, uh, AI machine learning technology into their, their chips in the most recent iPhones uh, to use artificial intelligence to make your social media experience even more engaging. So we're going to talk about a, a broad range of topics today. We hope to also give you what's most important, and that is some, some advice, some help, some counsel from God's Word, from the Bible. Uh, which really can give us and does give us um, the, the, the principles that we need to look to to survive uh, and to do well in, uh, in the world today uh, with all the pressures that we're faced as families. Gentlemen, let's jump right into the program. What are some of the, um, from your research, we've all been doing research preparing for today, what are some of the consequences, the risks, the dangers from your research that you've seen today regarding social media use amongst adults, families, teens, so forth. Dr. Scott, do you want to start? Well, I guess the question is where do you stop? <clears throat> because it seems like every day there are more and more studies coming out. Increased pornography risk, increased gambling risk, lower attention spans, self-distraction lowered. Um, people having the, kids especially, having the inability to read social cues because they're not interacting with each other lowered sleep, increased depression and suicide risk, and it, the list seems to go on. Well, you know, we've, we've had reports about some of the big executives out at, in Silicon Valley not allowing their own kids to get on Facebook, not allowing their own kids to use the social media because they've long learned about some of the problems associated with these things. Uh, you know, there's a, an article here. I'll get Mr. McNair to jump in in a second. This is not one we're going to show on screen, but it's, it's an article. It's been in the news lately. Uh, the two largest Apple investors have called for Apple to install and implement more parental protection or, you know, parental tools uh, to protect children from, from iPhone addiction. So as, as, as was mentioned, uh, we're seeing in the news more awareness now, there's good that social media can be used for. L let me make a comment. Uh, the church, uh, tomorrow's world, we use social media to reach people. We're very thankful that you're, you're tuning in on Facebook right now or, or maybe on YouTube. And we have hundreds of thousands of people that, that find us on social media every month. But there are some uh, addictive uh, attributes, and we'll, we'll get into some specifics uh, in just a minute. Um, Mr. Jonathan McNair, I don't know if we're having technical issues. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> Yes, very good. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I, <clears throat> I wanted to add what uh, with to what was mentioned a moment ago that you know some of the executives. I have an article in front of me talking about how Bill Gates uh, didn't let his kids get cell phones until they turned fourteen. Um, you know, be, because the, the the matter is 
that whether it be smartphones or the internet media, it relies on, on a real need and a thirst that we have that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We want knowledge, we desire knowledge. So there's a natural inclination we have to want to use tools that, that bring us knowledge and the challenge is how to do it in a way that's not destructive and that's where we're going today. Well, the, the issue really comes down in many ways to the fact that people are using it for entertainment and they're using it for, for pleasurable purposes and they will use these things uh, and each time they get a little charge out of it, a little bit of perhaps dopamine release. It's been compared maybe to gambling and gaming so that it lends itself to addictive behavior and then it starts producing a lot of uh, liter literally problems with depression and the things that Dr. Scott was talking about a little bit earlier. You know, it's interesting that some of these execs at Facebook, for example, have commented on, we don't know exactly what is going to come from this, but it's really going to have a broad impact. I've got an article here from The Atlantic that was uh, recently released that says, have smartphones destroyed a generation? And then they interview this young girl who's 13 and ask her some questions and she makes the observation. She says, we didn't have a choice to know any life without iPads or iPhones, talking about herself. I've always known this stuff. And then she, she concluded and she said, I think we like our phones more than we like actual people. Which I think is a telling piece that when you look at what's, what's interesting, you look at some of the health behaviors that we're seeing today and we actually are seeing big drops among teenagers in alcohol and other drug use. We're seeing some of the lowest rates of teen pregnancy that we've seen in decades. Yet, why? It's because kids are holed up in their rooms by themselves. You, you can't get drunk, you can't get pregnant, you can't get into all these things, but there's other repercussions that our kids are experiencing, primarily our kids are experiencing, because of these products. Let me just throw out a possibility. Maybe one of the reasons kids are not using uh, the drugs or the alcohol or other things like that is that when you take these things and you use the social media a lot that they are getting little charges of dopamine as they do these things. They've tested that and they found out that that's the case. That's why it lends to addictive behavior because there's something called uh, dopamine feedback or feedback loop. They do it, they get a little charge out of it, it's pleasurable, then they want to do it again, then you want to do it again. It's very much like gambling addictions that they you get a little charge every time you pull that slot machine lever and you win something. Well, it's similar with some of these social media feedbacks. Mr. McNair, you want to jump in on that? Yeah, you know, it, when we talk about this, I, I'm going to have to add that uh, we're primarily talking about young people here. But the reality is, is it not, it's not just young people, is it? I mean, I, as I'm sitting here, I'm halfway looking at my cell phone, uh, my smartphone, my iPhone, um, wondering if it's going to... To, to, to ring with a new text or something because I have to say myself, you get, you get used to looking to that uh, new thing, a new email, a new text. So as, as we discuss this, I, I think it's worthwhile recognizing that let's say for us who are over 30, well, maybe over 40, maybe over 50, um, it, it, it's, worth, it's worth noting that those impacts on us, if we can only think about those young people who have had that as part of their life, for as long as they can remember. I uh, want to jump in on, uh, you know, I, I, I want to also echo that we, all of us use smartphones. All of us on the panel today, we use smartphones. Uh, Tomorrow's World uses social media uh, to reach people, and, and there's many benefits to it, like we've discussed, mentioned already. You, you can network, you can keep up with your, with your family and friends. But I want to come back to something that, that Dr. Scott was touching on, and, and really all of us have, uh, depression. 
the risks for depression. Um, there's an NPR article, I don't think we're going to show this on screen, but there was a study that came out uh, in, in the NPR articles from December, and basically it just says that, uh, that, that research found that teens who spend more than five or more hours per day on their devices are 71% more likely to have one risk factor for suicide. That is regardless of the content consumed. I found that interesting, regardless of the content consumed. I think sometimes maybe as parents, we, we might oversimplify it a little bit. And even if we're not parents, and we're just trying to self-monitor, right? Because not everybody listening is, is a parent out there. Um, and sometimes we, we, maybe we, we oversimplify it and we say, well, you know, I'm not looking at the bad stuff, so it's probably okay. But there seems to be something and whether, whether it's the disconnecting from, you know, the organic type conversations and face-to-face -face or so forth, but there seems to be something that happens when you have heavy smartphone or, and also social media usage that lends itself towards depression. Any, any more thoughts or research you gentlemen want to bring into that? Yeah, I wanted to just comment on some research from the University of Cambridge that's come out in just the last several months. Researchers already knew, and I'm going to read from an article from The Telegraph here, November 29, 2017. Researchers already knew that when patients or when parents interact with their children, their emotions and their heart rate synchronize, but they've never tested it with brains until now. In a study of babies and mothers, scientists at University of Cambridge found that when parents gaze at their children, their brain waves align and the baby or with the baby and it makes more effort to communicate. Uh, Dr. Victoria Leong, the lead study author, says, when the adult and the infant are looking at each other, they're signaling their availability and intention to communicate with each other. We found that both adult and infant brains respond to a gaze so signal by becoming more in sync with their partner. What's interesting about that then is you've got, they're finding out it's not just babies, it's adults too. But when we look at each other, where our brains are coming in sync, our bodies and other studies will show that we begin to release certain chemicals that draw us together, they bond us together, they help us relax, they help really fend off some mm. of these, an, these depression and anxiety uh, signals that our body releases. Hmm. But, but haven't you noticed, um, I mentioned, you know, <clears throat> Dr. Scott talking about um, that, that human contact, but haven't you noticed that the, the artificial contact of the cell phone or uh, the computer screen is always more attractive. I'm, I'm not talking about babies here, but when you think about uh, young people, children, even adults, it's mm. always more attractive to have that buzz or that ring than the human contact, where in reality, it's less beneficial. Uh, so we've got this conundrum that, uh, as we said, then leads to discouragement, this depression, because it's not a real, uh, it's not a real builder of, our, of, of our, who we are and what we're about. No, that's a great that's a great observation, Mr. McNair. And um, so, welcome to the program today. Let me let me let me welcome everybody again. We're going to get deep into social media, uh, current and future risks and dangers, how to uh, live uh, successfully in a in a social media world. We're going to touch on artificial intelligence here in a minute as well. Uh, the major um, technology companies. Are, are actively working on AI and machine learning uh, technology, and, and there's, there's, there's commercial reasons for that. The, the more that they can modify and adapt your experience, uh, then they will keep you engaged with their platforms more. You will order more products, you will, you will click on more ads, you will spend more time with them, 
And so we're going to talk about that as well, as well as even some potential uh, risky things, some, ro some robotics. We're going to talk about some robotics later uh, in the program today. Please share the, uh, the, the, the feed. Um, not all social media is bad, and I would argue that this program today is hopefully good, and please share it with your, with your friends on, on YouTube and on Facebook. We do thank you for joining us. Again, Mr. Jonathan McNair Skyping in, Dr. Scott Winnell, and Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Uh, I wanted to bring up an article in the control room, The Unforeseen Consequences of an AI-Built Social Network. Really interesting reading. Um, let me read a little bit from it. Artificial intelligence is one of the most powerful technologies invented by humankind. This technology has affected almost every industry, including the medical, finance, banking industries. Due to its enormous potential, investors are sinking some serious funding into AI. I'm going to drop down a few paragraphs and just touch on a couple more points. Uh, the article mentions that the number of active social media users increases significantly every day. There are over 2.45 billion active social media users around the world, and this number is expected to grow to 2.9 billion by 2020. Now, the Bible teaches that Satan is the, uh, the, the, the god of this world and the prince and the, of the power of the air. And I just, I just wonder, you know, would, would he maybe want to tap into that 2.45 billion people who are spending five, six, seven hours a day mm. on social media? Mm. I mean, is there a spiritual connection here? I, I, I think, I think there, there obviously is. Well, the, this, this artificial intelligence thing is just remarkable. It, it comes from learning algorithms that have been recently developed. This is where a computer program, a computer algorithm can learn by trial and error. They do it really, really fast. Uh, what was the story we saw just a little while ago that uh, they developed some chatbots? Mm -hmm. And they were, they were talking to each other, going back and forth. They developed their own language. They started developing their own language, so they turned the thing off. They didn't know what was going on. What can happen with all of these things going on, particularly in, in social media? How do you know you're talking to a person or texting with a person? Could right. someone learn to, I think my voice cannot be imitated, but could that possibly, could they learn to do that? I mean, how do you know that there's no control over all of this and what, uh, how far could it go, particularly if these things are learning and developing their own programs and systems? And Dr. Scott, you made an interesting observation uh, before the program today. Do you, I, I don't know if you remember what I'm referring to, but you... Uh, well, it's, it's, it's interesting when we look at AI mm -hmm. and, and the efforts that are being made. These computers, using these algorithms, are really thinking in many ways. But there are no, there don't seem to be any ethical controls on that thought process. There's no guardrails, if you will. So as they're thinking, they're, they're going down whatever pathway they want to. Um, to use some science fiction lingo, there aren't ethical subroutines running that are going to keep them on some kind of straight, narrow, and safe path. They're going to go in whatever direction they want to, or they're going to go in the direction they were programmed, and they're programmed by people who don't have ethical standards that are God-based. Uh, you could have so much fun with this, I mean, uh, to speculating on what could happen, but let's just ask ourselves, uh, um, could unsupervised AI activity be the new virus in the future? In other words, you could get runaway AI bots. And are we going to have firewalls in our computers, or firewalls in our, uh, in our um, computers everywhere that we have them, our phones and everything, to keep the runaway AI bots out of that? Could that happen? Mm -hmm. Could somebody combine a virus with an AI algorithm? It lodges itself in your phone and starts 
developing its own algorithms there. All of these things can happen, and that could be the future. How would you track them down? How would you run it down? Will we, instead of having antivirus, will we have anti-AI programs in our computers in the future? Hey, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> Anti-AI. <laughs> Mr. McNair, I think you wanted to jump in with a comment. Well, you know, the, the uh, intention of those, uh, those bots is really to predict behavior, isn't it? In other words, uh, if you have the, the Google device in your home that, um, that you speak to, it's, it's, it's built to predict your behavior, which is what the designers really of some of the internet uh, search engines are all about is predicting behavior. And I think the irony is that at the beginning, the way the internet was heralded is as a, a world of information that's available for us to expand our horizons. And, um, but in reality, as we go forward, uh, what we see in front of us at any given time in terms of a search engine or I think we were talking beforehand if you uh, if you look online to purchase something for the next two or three days every time you look at a news article well I would say to that that tracking and that predicting than uh, than adults are in fact the brain research would back you up the the prefrontal cortex in the brain which helps determine in um, reason it helps determine consequences for decision making really doesn't uh, mature until people are in their mid-twenties so before that time the the ability exactly as you're saying the ability to really reason through and think through these decisions and the use of these tools is just not uh, biologically even there yet well one of the things I think parents have to worry about in, in all of this is that it's moving so fast that the kids can't keep up with it we always say well the, you know if you uh, ask a kid, they know everything, you know, particularly about computers, but it's moving so rapidly and developing so much that kids can't even keep up with it. How can the parents do it in order to control it for them? It's essential not only to control it for your kids, but it's also essential to try to stay up with what's going on because of the rapid development of it. It's um, a future shock coming very quickly. So, thank you. You set me up for what I want, what I want to talk to the audience <laughs> about now. Um, I absolutely agree with Mr. Wakefield, and um, so I want to set. I want to show the audience a little clip. I'd like to show them a clip in just a second. So let me set up the clip. <clears throat> uh, it's a fact uh, that artificial intelligence is being used, and that technology is progressing extremely rapidly. Um, I, I have an article here from the Globe and Mail. It's don't don't try to bring this up, please, in the control room. Uh, your smartphone is making you stupid, antisocial, and unhealthy. So why can't you put it down? Is the is the is the <laughs> title of the. Uh, the article. Um, it, it's a fact that technology is advancing rapidly. It's a fact that, that we are addicted, maybe not in a clinical sense, maybe not all of us are addicted clinically, but that we are addicted to social media and to our smartphones. But there's another fact. The, the large companies want our eyeballs to stick on their applications, and they're using machine learning and artificial intelligence to, to predict our behavior and to put information in front of us that we want to buy and consume. Um, so I want to show a clip here in just a second. This is Sophia the robot. Go ahead and bring up that clip. Now she is um, the world's first robot citizen, and here she's being interviewed at, at uh, I think this is the CES, but I want to show the clip, and I'm going to tell you a quick story where she got into an argument with Chrissy Teigen recently, and I, wa and I want to draw out some potential um, uh, cautions for society. Uh, we're not at Terminator yet. We're not at Terminator yet. But there's an AI social media connection. But let's watch the clip first. I like to learn and work at becoming more intelligent. 
share my knowledge through conversation, and learn about people so I can relate with empathy. What about you? I quite like being a journalist, Sophia. Sophia, what can you do that Siri can't do? Siri is cute. I like her voice. Do you think she's better than you? Siri gets some flack for having the least amount of comprehension, but I think she's got the most personality. I hear she's pretty funny. Do you have a digital assistant you like to use? I quite like Amazon Alexa. She's got a lot of skills, that Alexa. Sophia, can you tell me a joke? The problem with the future is that it turns into the present. That's very <laughs> profound, Sophia. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, that's a cute little clip. Um, what is Sophia learning from her interaction with humans? She's, she's learning things. She's learning that we are competitive, that we are asking her questions, what's better? Um, she's talking about that the future becomes the present. Um, what happens when artificial intelligence algorithms start analyzing your social media behavior and making decisions not just on what ads to show you, but what houses or rental properties to show you. There are more than 100 robots in San Francisco right now that work as realtor robots. Look it up. There's more than 100 that work as realtor robots. What happens when they start making decisions about what jobs to offer, you know, to put in front of you, job opportunities, or which ones to not, or what buildings to rent to you, uh, mm -hmm. What schools your children should apply to or should not apply to? Well, they're already doing it. Mm -hmm. The point is, this is already going on, and, and particularly in Facebook, uh, they are, uh, have facial recognition. They are looking up people's addresses and everything. They're trying to connect you with other people. People have found long-lost relatives, having them suggested to them as friends, as a connector, in Facebook. And this is getting a, a little, little spooky. It's beginning to spook people a little bit, and I, I think we, we need to have careful analysis of what's going on because it's moving fast. I think Mr. McNair's trying to get my attention, not quite sure. You know, um, I think, at, obviously we wanna figure out what, so what are the solutions to this problem? What can we do? How can we direct our, our children? And, and that's a topic that, which can list a number of things. But, but I, I really think that this speaks to the wisdom of the biblical principle that as parents, we are, we're, we're commanded by God. We're given the responsibility to teach our children, train our children. Because if you think about it, let's say, for example, when, when we go onto the, onto the internet, what are we looking for? And Because that predictive behavior is based on what we're looking for in the first place. What are we looking for in, in life? And uh, even Proverbs, we read in Proverbs chapter two, verse one, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, and it goes on and talk about teaching your children the desire for wisdom. So not to belabor the point, but if, if one of the key, I, I think, bulwarks against our, our children in particular and all of us being unduly affected is to be soaking our mind in, in God's word. And that right there, that will help us to at least have a, a, a running start at creating a filter for the social media that we're, that we're consuming. I think it's a really good point. <clears throat> and when does the scripture talk about when we should teach our children? Well, when you rise in the morning, and when you walk by the wayside, and when you sit down, and when you sit down in the evening again, you, we're to be teaching them all the time. I was on driving to work today, <clears throat> and I was behind a, a minivan and at a stoplight, and I noticed that in the, in the minivan in front of me, the monitor 
people are not going a long distance in the morning. They're taking their child to daycare mm -hmm. or to school. But still in that short drive, they had this television, this video cartoons on that the child was watching. They're not teaching their child. They're silencing their child so the child doesn't bother them and so the child is quiet. And it's a, really a failure. Mm -hmm to teach children. We, we've got so many devices and so many tools that we can let somebody else or something else teach our children. Well, it used to be that the, uh, the babysitter was a television set. So the kids would sit up there, we would watch the boob tube all day if, to, to their parents would keep them pacified that way. Now, it's social media, it's gaming, particularly the gaming. Mm -hmm. There's been a recent problem with some of the games that people with kids are playing online that are introducing kids to gambling. And they're starting them, teaching them how to gamble, teaching them to enjoy it, giving them the little pops of enjoyment that they get from winning something like that. So our kids are being conditioned around our supervision. I think your point's an excellent one. And just uh, teaching them the Ten Commandments and staying on top of that is a great place to start. One of the things... Well, go ahead, Mr. McNair. Well, I was just going to add, and, and help uh, parents have responsibility also to expose their children to real life. And I mean, I'm, I'm a real advocate of taking kids in the outdoors, having the wilderness experience, having going to places where you cannot get reception. Um, even I sometimes orchestrate uh, family activities and uh, programs for congregations where the, where there's no Internet access available and no Wi-Fi signal and no cell phone service. And I do it for a reason, because what happens is people actually have to interact with each other and parents actually have to interact with their children when they take them in the outdoors and so uh, this way introducing our children in one way or another certainly whether it's outdoor experiences or, or daily life to real interaction um, with parents other people is critically important as a uh, as an alternative to the constant uh, flow of the social media that we're talking about here there are just times when the kids ought to be off of it Mm -hmm. And they ought to, there's a good time one day a week, I think, to do that. You know, I, I, I want to mention real quickly, Mr. McNair's observation is an interesting one because we know from mental health research that the, the more time you spend in the outdoors, in creation, in the sunshine, there are lots of benefits, including lower risk of, or lower levels of anxiety, lower risk of suicidal behavior, lower risks of depression. Um, the flip side of that is the less time we spend outside and the more time we spend in front of a screen, all of those things go up. So it's just an interesting connection uh, with not only teaching kids about God and His way and His creation, but just the benefits that God inherently built into spending time in His and, creation. And one thing that we talked about before the program is we want, we, we want to be informed, but we want to be disciplined. And so we're not against all social media but we're against the wrong use of a tool. And you know, we're talking about spending time away from it, but, and we're talking about the, the children, but let's, let's also talk about ourselves. You know, uh, there's a Psalm, uh, Psalm 19, uh, 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I think I got it about accurate. Um, whether you're on social media or you're, you're watching TV, um, or you're outdoors, frankly, are the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart acceptable in God's sight? Mm -hmm. we, need, I, we need to self-regulate. And I think one, one way to do that is in the morning when we get up, do we, you know, it's one of the first things we do, <laughs> get on our cell phone or our smartphone, or is it that we pray? You know, one of the things, too, my, I, might, I might add, uh, Mr. Wakefield there was mentioning 
um, a break, and we've been talking the, the comments that, uh, again, Dr. Uh, Winnell mentioned, and all these comments here, the last few comments, we're talking about a, a break from this uh, this media. We're largely talking about a cell phone or smartphone. And uh, certainly, if we follow God's instructions to keep the Sabbath day, which is a break from our endeavors during uh, throughout the rest of the week, it, you know, it's a mechanism that helps us to break away from things, in this case, including a smartphone. And, and it's a way we can teach our children in a, in a very straightforward way. Look, this is the day, put your phone away. Let's talk, let's listen, let's go to our a church service. We believe in the seventh day Sabbath. We have literature about it that explains it if you're not familiar with that. And, and listen to someone talk about God's law, interact, fellowship with other people. That's what the Sabbath day was created for. You might say a digital Sabbath as well as a, a Sabbath from, from work. That's absolutely right. Just remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And if you're doing everything that you did during the week, you're playing all the games, you're doing all the stuff on, the, on, the, on your social media and everything, and I'm not saying you should never touch your cell phone during those, those times, but if you're doing everything that you did, how is it set apart? How how is it different? And you don't have the benefit of shifting your mind to other things, whether it's fellowship with the brethren or reading God's word or simply pondering the beautiful things in your backyard. You need a break from the electronics. I think Mr. Wakefield's comment a couple minutes ago too is helpful. The, the idea of um, coming back to the commandments. You know, we can use the commandments, the Ten Commandments, as a filter and as a, a, a sifter for how we use social media and, and use technology. Sure. Does technology, does social media fit in line with the commandments or does it break them? For example, the first commandment, don't have another God before God. How much time do we spend with God versus with our device? Um, other commandments about coveting are there, about stealing, about uh, relating to lust, uh, lying. The, we know there's a lot of lying that takes mm -hmm. place on social media. So the Ten Commandments really can be a helpful vetting tool for whether or not we're using the technology in a wise and a godly way. Well, tell, me, tell me one gaming experience, a game that people play online, that doesn't break most of the commandments. I mean, the ones that the, the shoot 'em ups and that sort of thing, or the gambling uh, for covetousness or stealing, or all of these things, whether um, um, uh, sexual things, pornography, all of these things appear in the games. Um, the, it seems that those things are designed to pull people away from God's commandments and away from His Word. So, uh, control of your kids, folks, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, there's actually a study that, uh, some research that's come out of the University of San Diego. Um, UCSD, I believe, that makes the suggestion for parents, uh, you probably shouldn't let your kids use a device for more than 30 to 60 minutes a day. And any use over that actually begins to increase their risk of developing depression and suicidal ideation. Well, and there's, a, there's an article, I don't know, we're not going to have time to get to it. And, and by the way, stay tuned because I do want to give a list um, uh, uh, of parental control apps here in, in a few minutes. Um, that is... Uh, part of my field. I've, I've done tech for a couple decades and I run tech for, run social media and, and websites for the church. But um, no, that, 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 that's a, a really key point. And, and I want to come back to, um, you know, what do we meditate on? What do we, what do we meditate on? You know, the Ten Commandments need to govern our lives. We need to rest probably from social media on the Sabbath. But uh, Philippians 4 verse 8 talks about whatever things are noble and true and praiseworthy and so forth you know, meditate on these things. 
if we're if we're in in and on social media and we're, and we're spending a lo a, too much time or any time on bad stuff, you know, we need to we need to to, to check ourselves. There there are consequences, and not just spiritual, which are the most important, but physiological. We're seeing studies where brain, there's changes in, in, in your actual brain makeup, the patterns of your brain, similar to addictions, not as severe. From what I've seen, it's not as severe as cocaine, heroin, and so forth. It's, it's, it's an overstatement to say it's, it's equal, but similar to drug addictions. Mm -hmm. And Scott, you know, Dr. The patterns are similar. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, 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 you're a, you're a, you have a, deg a degree and background in physiology and biology, and You've seen that in your studies, I, I'm assuming. I think we're probably all reading some of the same things. Yeah. But yeah, it's a similar pathway. And in fact, the, the guys who developed these um, social media tools developed them understanding these biological processes and with the intention of triggering these processes. I th also want to alert um, parents to the matter. We've talked about gaming just a little bit. But gaming is a form of social media, too that you may Absolutely. be gaming with people all over the country, all over the world when you're playing some of these games. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them are violent and you're communicating with people or your kids are communicating with people through the game, you have no idea who they are. You simply don't know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's, uh, this thing is developing in many ways beyond what the parents understand. So it's very important for parents to educate themselves as to what's going on behind that screen that their kids are using so much. I want to throw it to Mr. McNair here in a second, but I want to uh, just mention again, I don't want to have another conversation about artificial intelligence, but um, please be warned, parents and users of social media, uh, all of us, myself included, uh, we are fighting a battle, a spiritual battle against billion dollar companies and ultimately against uh, the, the principality of the power of the air, Satan, the devil. And artificial intelligence, I'm not trying to just overstate it. Uh, I don't think you can overstate the, 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 the potential danger there. Um, machines' capacity to analyze everything you do think, watch, like, don't like, and so forth, and then addict you more and, 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 and entrench you more in gaming, whatever. Um, that's the world we're heading to. That's the world we're heading to. So I think Mr. McNair wrote an article, um, <clears throat> I think, I can't remember... Um, Exactly the title of that, but uh, it was, uh, well, what was that, Mr. McNair? The, uh... Yeah, a few years ago in our magazine, The Two Faces of Technology, really, and it was directed towards youth and, and families and parents, and, and really, I, I think just what we're talking about today, to, to, we're not, we're not uh, ignoring the fact that uh, mobile devices, technology, the internet, this is part of our world today. It becomes almost like our right hand in many ways. Unfortunately, uh, perhaps for me, I, I use my my phone to tell to see what time it is. I don't even wear a wristwatch anymore. So we're 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 familiar with this. But there are two faces of technology. There's uh, a positive face. It can be there can be useful tools, but there can also be uh, a, a danger. And that's what we're trying to address today. Be warned. Be careful. Be be cognizant. Be proactive. Is I think our challenge as parents and adults, um, for our benefit and for the benefit of the young people that we that we influence, I think that's that's uh, that's our challenge today. I think really, uh, you know, good concluding comment from from Mr. McNair. I, I want to let you gentlemen each make a, a concluding comment, but let me give the parents uh, a list of uh, of parental control apps. This is this will only take 60 seconds or less. I'm not endorsing. We're not officially endorsing any of these. 
Uh, some of these are, are most of these, there's a charge. But there's a lot of apps out there that you can use as a parent um, to monitor behavior of your, your children, uh, as well as at the, at the router level with, within your home network. And so th these are a few that I've, I've, I'm aware of. Uh, one's called Family Time. That's available on, on Android and, and Apple uh, platforms, Family Time. Uh, Q Studio, Phone <coughs> Sheriff, um, Our Pact, O-U-R-P-A-C-T, kind of uh, it wants to get your kids involved and sort of be uh, you know, committed to uh, better behavior. Uh, Net Nanny is one that's pretty well known. Open, DS family, Open DNS Family Shield. Open DNS Family Shield lets you control uh, all activity at the router level in your home, and, and, and including um, uh,